Hi, this is Dana Stevens, Slate's movie critic, and I'm here with a Slate spoiler special on The Love Guru, the new Mike Myers comedy. I am joined today by Tanner Colby, the author of the new Chris Farley show, a biography of Chris Farley. Hi, Tanner. Hi, how are you? Uh, I'm well, except for the fact that last night. <laughs> yeah, you and I'm, I'm I still recovering. Through. I'm still recovering. It was uh, not good. Yeah, I have to say, well, let's just start off with a quick value judgment before we start spoiling away. As a veteran, I assume, having written a book on Chris Farley and another on John Belushi of many, many Saturday Night Live Star seen, comedies. I've seen just about all of the shows and, and most of the movies, and I'd have to say this is one of the worst movies ever created by someone from Saturday Night Live. And maybe one of the worst mo- movie comedies I've ever had to suffer through. That would not be an overstatement. It let's, was. It let's was try to get execrable. across in a moment to the to our audience exactly how how painful an experience it is to sit through the Love Guru. But first, maybe let's let's get to the plot just very quickly, so we can people will know exactly what it is that we're we're talking about. So everybody, beware! If you're dying to see the Love Guru and you don't want all the plot secrets to be spoiled, turn off your podcast now. Let's just call them secrets because there's not really a plot. So to call them plot secrets would be a bit of a misnomer. It's uh, tough to spoil a movie that's this it's this unstructured. But do you want to do you want to take it away? We begin in the ashram of Guru Pitka. We begin in the ashram of Guru Pitka, who is played this, by Mike Myers. Played by Mike Myers, who is the self help guru to the stars, uh, several of whom show up in cameos, and he teaches jokey platitudes that are often thinly veiled double entendres for Mike Myers' uh, obsession with with genital references and caca jokes, which we'll get to later. And uh, he's hired by Jessica Alba, who's the head of the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, hockey team, to restore the love life of their lead hockey player, played by Romany Malco. And if he restores their uh, mojo and helps them win the Stanley Cup, then he'll get to be on Oprah, and he'll be a better guru than Deepak Chopra. That is Because one of the running jokes of the movie, which is never funny, even the first of the hundred times, no. is that he's the second most famous guru in the world after Deepak Chopra, and is, is trying to one-up Deepak Chopra. Yes. All right, so I, that sets it up fairly well, right? We're trying to restore the mojo of Romany Malco so that the Toronto Maple Leafs will win the Stanley Cup. And right. Get him on, get get Guru Pitka on Oprah. So let's hit on some of the high points or low points along the way. Um, Should we start with the lowest? Sure, go ahead. What's your lowest? Well, the lowest, I think one of the celebrity cameos who turns up is Ben Kingsley, as in Sir Ben Kingsley. Oh, that's as, right. This is the nadir. You're right. This is yes. the spiritual nadir and comic nadir of the movie, for sure. He shows up as uh, as Mike Myers' guru in, in, in a flashback, uh, teaching Mike Myers, uh, you know, the, the, the Zen principles of life at which point ben kingsley who's cross-eyed who's cross-eyed who's violently cross-eyed that's the not funny side gag for ben kingsley decides that to teach his student a lesson he's going to piss in a bucket and then they're going to play basically a game of tag or dodgeball a dodgeball tag type game with mops dipped in urine and so they dip the mops in the urine and they pull out these yellow mops and they run around chasing each other with mops covered with urine it's just it's not funny it's the product of of a twisted mind and god only knows how ben kingsley of gandhi of so many sir ben kingsley Kingsley decided to piss in a bucket and and chase people around i wonder how far into the shoot ben kingsley realized i i've gotten myself into this and i'm contractually obligated to make people sword fight with mops. I don't, I don't know that he did, because uh, it, it's a weird thing. People who don't know funny don't know funny, and they really are desperate for the chance to be funny. Uh, when Steven Spielberg directed 1941, the uh, World War II comedy that he did, he had no tone for comedy. He has 
no sense of it. But he was directing what was ostensibly a comedy with John Belushi and all these other people. And he actually called Joe Flaherty, one of the comic actors, into his trailer to look at the dailies and asked him, is that funny? Was that funny? Do you think that was funny? And Flaherty was like, oh, we're, we're in trouble. And so I think there's, there's a lot of these dramatic actors who, oh, he's the Austin Powers guy. He'll give me a chance to be in his movie. I'll go do it. He must know what's funny, so I'll do whatever he says. I guess I guess that could be the case. The Ben Kingsley though was truly truly a shocking cameo because yeah. you know he is a pretty smart guy who's picked some roles with some wit and levity before. He's even played in comedies, but yeah, there was just a, a really sad sense that he was just he was locked into somewhere very very bad. I couldn't really believe it was Kingsley at first when I saw him. I thought they had found a ringer or yeah. something because it seemed too unbelievable that he would actually have accepted the role. A very small part too. Let's talk about a couple of the other celebrity cameos because there's a strange sense here that Mike Myers is calling in every Hollywood favor he ever had to get these people to sort of parade cadaverously through his movie and these utterly empty cameos. Who were some of the people who appear? We had Jessica Simpson, who shows up at his ashram, and also Val Kilmer, who was... I kind of laughed at the Val Kilmer cameo because he's such a non-celebrity today that that just seeing him show up in a movie was funny. And the one celebrity cameo I also kind of felt bad for was Mariska Hargitay from Law & Order SVU. One of the running jokes that's funny the first time and not for the subsequent 16 is... Uh, the end of all of his guru sessions, you know, uh, like the yoga people say namaste and all these incantations. His incantation is marishka hargate, as if it's some sort of, you know, zen cone type thing. It's sort um, of their sign-off, right? They're yeah. greeting and, and their and their Yeah, goodbye. like aloha or namaste or one of these That's things. That's one of those lines. Well, I had already seen it in the trailer, so I had already had the, the, the wee chuckle from that before the movie even began. And I, right. we'll get to a moment in a moment whether we managed to sit through the entire movie stone-faced or not. But even the marishka hargate had already been tapped out yes. for me. And so, then, of course, Kanye West showed up at the end of the movie in what could have been a brilliant cameo, because everybody knows that iconic moment of Kanye West and Mike Myers on the Hurricane Katrina uh, telecast and Kanye West uh, making Mike Myers very uncomfortable by you know launching into George Bush as a racist. And that was a moment fraught with you know uh, gravity that, if you had lampooned it properly, could have been hysterical. Yet it's just thrown into the movie in a really cheesy bad way and it, it doesn't make any sense so that's a real spoiler for you there if you if you're looking for the the kanye west cameo they blow it yeah that the cameos really do purely serve the function almost of branding look this person agreed to appear this person agreed to appear this person agreed exactly. to appear. not a single person sort of spoofs their own image or tells a joke or really no. does anything whatsoever Let's talk briefly. We can get to some more bad jokes in a minute, and I know both of us noted down some of the stinkers in our notes, but let's talk for a minute about the placement of this project in Mike Myers' career. This is five years since he's made the last Austin Powers movie, right? He's disappeared from the scene and and become somewhat of a a recluse in the last five years and and really taken a sabbatical from comedy and and filmmaking altogether. Do you want to talk about where Mike Myers is at and what a bizarre way this is to to come back onto the scene? It's just really strange. He did the last Austin Powers and then sort of, I guess, retired to count his money. And he did go through a divorce. So, uh, you know, uh, hats off to him for maybe just laying low while that was all going on. But if you look at it in in terms of his, his career, he had a famously prickly relationship with Hollywood from the moment he, he showed up. Wayne's World was sort of an unexpected off-the-radar success. And they sort of contractually forced him to do Wayne's World too, which he didn't want to do. And he didn't like the script that they had. And they made him do it. And he did it under duress. And so since then, he's been famously sort of a control freak and does his own thing. And so uh, he's acquired the sort of reputation of people like Stanley Kubrick or, you know, these sort of iconoclasts who refuse to pander and refuse to play the studio game. The weird thing about it is that 
his standards are so much lower than the studios, which doesn't make any sense. He's, uh, you know, there's all these just ridiculously cheap sex gags and, you know, penis jokes over and over and over again. Justin Timberlake's name is La Grande Coq, and he's, you know, got a very prodigious manhood. There's one extended scene where they're frying these balls in dough, and it's a big testicle joke. One character's named Dick Pants. Another one is named <laughs> Dickie Weathers. One, another one, Let uh, it be one, known that I'm not laughing at the names, but at the absolute brazenness of using this many dick jokes in a movie. Exactly. Oh, and isn't, isn't Ben Kingsley's name? Well, his, guru's ben King, name? his guru's name is Tugamapuda, which... You know, read between the lines there. And so, you know, with, with, you know, Wayne on Wayne's World, these kind of jokes were, oh, they're juvenile. He's a high school kid hanging out in his basement. And with Austin Powers, it was like, oh, you know, it's a play on James Bond's, you know, retrograde chauvinism. That is, But no, in fact, it turns out that this is just Mike Myers' sort of sick juvenile obsession with pee-pee and caca and, and, you know, boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. It's really weird, and you wonder if maybe he isn't mildly retarded on a certain level. Well, it's more of a, yeah, it's such a pathological fixation in this movie that it actually seems that he's regressed to some very deep place that maybe comedy springs from there, but we It need quickly to get... moves on. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing is that, you know, Judd Apatow has sort of raised the bar for the gross-out comedy. Uh, you know, 40-year-old virgin and, and knocked up had plenty of frat boy, down-and-dirty guy humor but there were also real movies about real people and i think to see a movie like this after that after you've seen those apatow movies is like going back and listening to def leppard after smells like teen spirit came out a uh, real so you mu- think mike myers moment has passed in that way not unless he steps up to the plate in a big way and does something is there any a lot possibility this could be a misstep in his career instead of sort of the beginning of the end of his career well it's really sort of the same theme you've always played out the only time that he's ever not dressed up in a crazy wig and a crazy costume was when he did So I Married an Axe Murderer and when he did uh, that one bit part in 54, which was the Studio 54 movie, which is his one attempt at a dramatic role. And neither of those really went anywhere. So he's the kind of person who always puts on you know, a grand character. He's not really an actor that people love. People love Austin Powers. People love Shrek. People aren't actually out there sitting saying, oh, i got to go see the new Mike Myers movie. They want to see the new Austin Powers movie. And the risk here is that if your character is the Guru Pitka and he's kind of a jerk and an unsympathetic character and you don't like him, people aren't going to come out and say, oh, I want to see the new Guru Pitka sequel. Yeah, it sounds as if it's almost like it was a, a counterproductive sabbatical, that all that time, you know, sort of withdrawn into, his, into finding his creative source, because he did apparently go on a spiritual journey journey of sorts and, and consult gurus and so forth during these five years. So there's kind of a seriousness behind this character, and it just makes the whole thing so leaden. And the, well, that makes the, the it freedom even really from sad. studio constraints, far from freeing him, actually sort of brings out... Well, yeah, it's like uh, Indiana Jones. They said, oh, we waited 19 years because we were waiting for the right script, and... That's the script you were waiting for. It, it I kind of like that movie. It was okay. It was okay. It wasn't wasn't great. I wouldn't say, but um, anyway, somewhat of a defender. But wait, so we we need to get to some of the actual bad jokes in this movie because both of us were scribbling like mad during the movie. Maybe just so we wouldn't have to look at the screen or each other because it was it was just too embarrassing. But what are some of your? There were some. I was just saying just sort of Catskills era jokes, and you were saying, oh, much older and much worse. Yes. Uh, well, most of them I, I just ran through. I mean, the, the ones I mainly cataloged were the the, the penis references because those were, uh, just struck me as going on and on and on. There's another running gag he has where he plays pop songs on a, on a, a sitar. The opening credits are 9 to 5, and then the love scene is set to more than words, and then the, the closing credits are um, Space Cowboy. 
It's really too bad the musical sequences weren't funnier because, I mean, I always found that even in the weak Austin Powers movies, he's just a funny singer oh. and dancer. He's really gifted at, at doing that kind of produ- uh, parody of a, of a musical number. Well, yeah, Dr. Evil doing Hard Knock Life in Spy Who Shagged Me or Goldmember, whichever one it was, was hysterical. And here it's just tone deaf. Well, there was the joke in uh, when he, it's again, it's another penis joke because those really are the only ones that stick out. Uh, you know, they hand him a corn dog at the hockey game. And he looks at it and goes, corn dog? Oh, is this a dog's thingy? Like we're supposed to laugh at that. and uh, That's a really good example. And even the, the second of silence after you said just that very much captures the mood of seeing this movie. Like I just want to get across to people that there's tons of dead air. It's a strangely claustrophobic feeling experience to see the movie, even though it's only 88 minutes long. Yeah, the, I mean, when, when somebody comes in and says, oh, your, your assistant Richard Pants is here. He goes, oh, you mean... Dick Pants. <laughs> and part of the joke is supposed to be, of course, that Guru Pitka always milks his own jokes. So yeah. we have to hear many, many jokes twice in a row. Another funny um, sort of story touch that's completely unbelievable is that everyone in the movie finds Guru Pitka really funny. Jessica Alba cracks up at all his incredibly insulting, dirty, sexist jokes that he makes at her expense. Uh, Romany Malko is always laughing. Romany Malko's mother, who becomes a pivotal character late in the movie, can't stop giggling at the wee-wee jokes of Guru Pitka. And it mm-hmm. points up all the more strangely why we in the audience are sitting there stone-faced. Yeah, as as our proxies uh, in the movie, the supporting characters uh, are, are not realistic at all and that they like this person. It's very cool. strange. Out of the kindness of our hearts, let's wrap up with, with the, the biggest spoiler of all. Was there one moment that you laughed in the movie or, or, or felt anything positive besides this sort of desperate desire to get out? Uh, well, Stephen Colbert is the other cameo, and he plays uh, an alcoholic, drug-addicted sportscaster at the hockey games. And um, I laughed at a few of his lines just because, you know, he's got the, the timing to pull it off. But eventually they milked that joke for far too long, far too long, just like they do every other joke in the movie. Uh, again, the, the only funny thing really, the only genuinely true moment, because it was a true moment, uh, was a blooper from the closing credits. That's right, the outtake. We both laughed the at outtake. the outtake. We both, they're, 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 they're doing a take and they're focusing it on Vern Troyer, who plays Mini-Me. And, uh, the and fr- who in this movie plays the, the coach of the hockey midget game. hockey coach, of the, and who's, who's horribly treated. By the way, there should be there should be there should be laws. little people protesting outside there every film of this movie. But so the frame of the shot basically catches all these people standing behind Mini Me right at their belt line, and the cameraman is saying to the director and said, uh, "Can I can I come in a little tighter here? All, all I'm getting is all I'm looking at is, is guys' butts." And Mini Me pauses for a moment and says, "Well, now you know what it's like." And it's perfect timing. He gets perfect a huge timing, laugh from the casting crew. Huge laugh from the casting crew, huge laugh from the audience. And it's like, okay, that's a joke that you know comes out of something that's real. This whole premise, where did this movie come from? Austin Powers was a parody of the James Bond movies and of those swinging 60s, what's new pussycat, magic Christian kind of movies, which... Uh, you know, are ripe for lampooning. So that was it was grounded in something that you could do takeoff and parody of. This, who cares? You know, I guess there could have been an intelligent satire of all that Deepak Chopra stuff. But, you know, the satire there is on the sadness of people looking for, you know, answers to their lives, not in taking the guru culture and making it a vehicle for pee-pee and caca jokes. Right. 
Well, I, I feel for Mike Myers this coming weekend and when the box office returns come in, because I have the feeling that we're not going to be the only people out there just absolutely staggering out of this movie, aghast at the awfulness of it all. And personally, as a fan of Austin Powers, the character more than the movies, I just think mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a wonderful character cre- he created that sort of lives outside of its of, it, of the strictures of the movies. But you I know, hope he pulls yeah. it back together. I really do. A failure could be the the best thing for him here because he really you know had entered into George Lucas territory where he'd made so much money with Shrek and with uh, with the Austin Powers movies that they gave him carte blanche. And, and it's uh, an Emperor's New Clothes kind of situation. Emperor's New Clothes. His know. loved ones need to tell him, Mike, Mike. Yeah, there's someone needs to stage an intervention. And, uh, you know, this really is, it's kind of the phantom menace of comedy. Uh, he got to go off and spend as much money as he wanted to make the comedy he wanted, and it's just terrible. He just botched it. But if it if it fails miserably and, he, and he's brought back down to earth and, and studios get to rein him in and say, here's what you have to do, and, you know, and he's put some constraints on what he can do, uh, maybe he can come back. Well, Tanner, I never met you before last night, but I feel that we've been bonded in a in a strange and horrible way. We'll celebrate the anniversary next year. <laughs> and uh, thank you very much for joining me at the You're at this worst movie. We've one of the worst movies of the year for sure. And um, thank you for joining me in this Slate spoiler special. You got it. For Slate.com, I'm Dana Stevens. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.